What do you think? Brown dress or navy suit? Ah, beautiful cloth. I used to love to watch her dress because it was a real performance. Step into it. be a bra. Then she'd wear like a corset thing. So it's, it seemed mm. like endless hooks and eyes, yeah, and I'd sit there mesmerised as she did all these hooks and eyes all the way down. Petticoat under. Then she'd have her petticoat, and then she'd have her, you know, so it was a whole load of stuff that got put on the top. Yes, that's it. <laughs> lovely suit. Oh. And she would make lovely suits and things lovely for herself, but they'd be for best. Mm. And that was one of the difficulties after she died. You know, Mum was a great thing about special occasions. She didn't wear it all the time. It was almost like she was saving for tomorrow. But tomorrow never comes. If I just... Where are we? And I can remember giving her a bottle of perfume. Moondrops. Moondrops. And, the, you know, even though it was a tiny, tiny bottle, it went for years, because she'd only get out on special occasions, you know. Nice. Two dabs, one behind each ear. Jewellery. Now, somewhere here, I thought my... Most of her jewels were sort of inexpensive polished stones. I can remember things like, almost like a quartz stone, crudely. If you picked up a pebble on the beach and cut it and polished it, that would be the sort of thing. You're a plucky tall woman. You are? And there was a closet, I can remember, in the bedroom. Fine, strong Which was floor to ceiling of... Pieces of fabric, knitting walls. I mean, you never bought anything. You made it. That's it. Oh, needles. Size 12. Yes. Now, deck chair. Oh, I mustn't forget this. I can remember being at school, we lived in Portsmouth, and I was a swimmer. So I'm, I'm talking now when I'm about 11, 12, and I'd come home from school and Mum would have tea all packed up in a bag. And we'd go and sit down on the beach and I'd swim, and she'd just sit there doing her knitting and whatever while I swam around. And perhaps it's something to do with me getting older, but it seemed that the, the sun shone longer. Come on, chair.
Hello. Hello. Are you there? It's me. Can you hear me? The phone won't work. He packed his bags and said, I'm off. And I vaguely knew he was going to somewhere in Devon, but I wasn't quite sure where, with his art students on a week's sketching. And I remember standing on the doorstep, waving him off and just laughing at myself and thinking I was like his mother, you know, standing there at the doorstep, waving goodbye until he'd gone into the distance. You know, that kind of just being there and wanting to see them go around the corner. That night he called, and he called at about half past ten from Brixham, which is about where he was, and uh, it was the bay where I'd grown up as a child. I grew up in Tor Bay, and uh, so I suddenly realised where he was, which was great. And I think the Good Sex Guide was on with Margie Clark, and uh, it was on long-term relationships. So I remember saying to him, I'm not going to be long, you know. And he sounded very tired, actually. I said, I'm not going to be long, I must whiz off and, and look at this so I can be wonderful when you get home, lovey, <laughs> as you do. And uh, he said, loads of love, I'll speak to you and the kids in the morning. And um, that was the last I spoke to him. They'd had fish and chips on the docks in Brixham that night, and he talked about how his parents had lived in this little Scottish fishing village and they watched the boats bob out on a Sunday night. And then my parents and how he'd like to go and see them because they lived on the other side of the bay. And he, he said, Bev and the kids would be great if they were here. They'd love this fish and chips. I should have pushed they'd come with us. Would you like some help with that? No. Thank you. I can manage it. I think the support struts back to front. She had a fit one night, that's how it started. She was sort of in coma. And I can remember just sitting alongside her with my hands on the rails of the crib, uh, talking to her. And it seemed to go on for hours. And I was just chuntering away, and then I noticed a little flicker on her eyes, you know, which got me quite excited, really. And I can remember calling her then. You know, I know I got quite animated, and, and I can actually remember going, Mum, Mum, it's Pat, Mum, Mum. And the flickers just seemed to go on and on. And it was just, a, you know, a feeling of relief. And, I mean, I can remember crying. I was doing a lot of that, doing a lot of crying. Because I do have this sort of belief there's a little bit in each of us which is very fragile, which gets handed down from generation to generation. You know what I mean? And I think what it felt like for me was, you know, my little fragile bit was actually in contact with hers and that was the pull back. Because I wasn't ready to lose her. I hadn't said goodbye. Here we are. <laughs> Would it be all right for me to join you? Uh, uh, there. That's it. <laughs> the sea's cold tonight. Would you like a chip? Oh, that's better. There's fish. Well, finish him if you like. I've had enough. Uh, no, no, thank you. Uh, oh, is there just us? Looks like it. 
shoes? I don't know. So there was a knock at the door, four o'clock in the morning, and uh, the police arrived to tell us Steve had died, and uh, he died of a massive asthma attack. For us, it was a journey down to Torbay, which is where, you know, I'd married Steve in Torbay, I'd grown up in Torbay, I'd dreamt about my life ahead, you know, like you do, your plans and everything, and suddenly I was going back to see my husband lying there on a slab, dead. It was just that thing of, of seeing him so cold, you know. I mean, it's the coldness of somebody that's given you so much love and affection you've shared so much with it's been so warm and then suddenly you go there and you hold his hand or you touch his head and you think you're so cold it was freezing I remember ruffling my hands through his hair and thinking you can't leave it you just can't go you just can't leave us like this I must have had them I had them in the chip shop why haven't I got them now Perhaps you took them off. I don't think... I don't remember. I don't remember taking my shoes off anywhere. What was that? Where? That young man. Down by the sea. He's walking towards us. Here he comes. Hello? Is he looking? No. Perhaps he's not seeing us. He's walking past. He hadn't come down for breakfast. I walked upstairs and his bedroom door was ajar. And he was sitting actually on the floor, smoking. And uh, I said, oh, come on downstairs. And he, no, no, I'll, I'll come down later, Mum. And um, he came downstairs and said that he'd go out for a walk. And it was a very beautiful March day, quite unseasonably warm. And in fact, he walked to the Avon Gorge and uh, I never came back. I'll go after him. Uh, no, leave him. What's he doing? He's sitting down against the breakwater. Is he all right, do you think? I think so. I think when he was adolescent, he did change. He um, had a girlfriend, and they were very close for about three years. But again, he suddenly that was all over and it was Matt's decision and I asked him about it and he said I just felt it was almost like a glass wall between us and we couldn't communicate. He just couldn't relate to people. He wanted to. But he did become quite hostile. What's that? He's throwing stones. Into the sea? At the sea. But they don't reach. He's picking up a pebble from the beach and throwing it. And it lands further down the beach. 
It was kind of more his bearing somehow. He even seemed to look different. There was a, a hopelessness about him. Is he angry? No. He's just doing it. Is he looking at us? No. He's just throwing stones. Magic trick. What have you got those for? They won't get me very far. Depends where you're going. I don't remember putting them in my pocket. And letters and poems. Look, that young man. He's coming over. I went up to his room about seven o'clock in the evening because although it was a beautiful day, it was a March day, and it was quite cold by this time, and he hadn't taken a jacket with him. And I looked around his room, and he'd laid out on the bed quite neatly his wallet and his keys. And that really frightened me, because I thought, wherever he is, he hasn't taken his money. He's not taken the house keys. Good evening. Take a seat. Aren't you going to read your letters? Not just now. Oh, the light's fading. We wondered if you were going to join us. I've got fish and chips if you're hungry. He doesn't say much. Perhaps he just wants to sit and look at the view. I'm quite happy here, watching the sea. I don't know. I don't want to stay here all night. Oh, going to bed at night was agony. It was just awful, because that thing of not having him there. And I remember the smell of his pyjamas, because he'd left his pyjamas, because he'd got off with some clean ones. You know, and, uh, and I still had his pyjamas, and I just used to nestle into them. And that smell to me was so precious, just that sort of, it's like the smell on the back of his neck. And uh, it was just that smell of him. And that was heartbreaking once that wore off. I tried to put them somewhere where I'd never lose the smell. And of course, the smell of the wooden cabinet it was in became stronger than his smell. So that was an agony. What are you doing? Cleaning the pebbles to make a sandcastle. I like your T-shirt. Yeah? Art is art. Faith is faith. Yeah. What's it mean exactly? Well, no it's... matter what we say or do, things just are. Life is life. I do remember that I screamed. The screams were being pulled out of my body. That I wasn't emitting screams. But somehow they were out there. And I could hear them ringing out. And it seemed to me... They were ringing out throughout the whole neighbourhood, totally involuntary. And it's... you don't know who you are anymore. 
Pick a pebble. Me. Any pebble. I, I don't. It doesn't matter which one. This one. Ah, good choice. Nice burgundy graining, smooth to the touch, pleasant to hold. Are you sure this is just an ordinary pebble? I think so. No more or less like a pebble than any other on the beach. Let me see. My assistant will examine the pebble. It's a pebble. Thank you. What do you see in the palm of my hand? A pebble. A pebble. The pebble is a pebble. Watch very carefully. And now? It's gone. How did you do that? Where is it? The pebble is no longer a pebble. What is it? It's the space where a pebble used to be. <laughs> of course, later, when I was able to piece my thoughts together and even think about it, I realised that it was the easiest thing in the world to walk from where we were living, alongst a quiet road and a leafy path, to a very unfrequented beauty spot, if you like, which is the, the head of a cliff. And obviously that's what, how he decided to die. In fact, he did fall to his death onto the portway, which is the, the main road at, at the foot of the gorge. And I suppose it's the sort of thing I would associate with Matthew, really. That he would really meet death head on. We saw you walk across the beach. I shouted, but you didn't hear. No. I waved, but you didn't see. I remember decorating a room, thinking, oh, Sue's going to love this when he walks in. Of course, he wasn't going to walk in. They must be round here somewhere. What? My shoes. He's lost his shoes. Have you seen a pair of shoes? No. Were they your best shoes? No. They were quite old. But they were comfortable. Are your feet cold? No. So what do you need shoes for? I need them. I just need them. Where are you going? How do I know what's going to happen? Take the kids to the park, to a friend's, out for a meal. I have to be ready. You won't find them. Let him look. I upset him. At that period, I seem to remember for weeks and weeks, I just seemed to be gushing tears endlessly to the point where I used to infuriate myself, you know, because I used to think, just stop it. And clenching my nails into the palms of my hands to, to hurt myself and just and stop myself doing this interminable, useless weeping. Don't worry. It's so easy to upset people. It'll all work out. What are you knitting? A sail. It's big enough. Do you think? You're not far off. I'm knitting as fast as I can. Doesn't look like you've dropped a stitch. What goes a sail with holes? <laughs> if there was something to be done, she'd just knuckle down and she'd go for it, you know. She was quite a plucky little woman, really. I better say tall. She liked to think she was tall. Plucky tall woman, yeah. Did you find them? Not yet. Why don't you finish your sandcastle? They'll turn up. 
Are you a magician? Sometimes. I used to do magic for the kids. They love it. Because they believe it. When does it start? When does what start? When does the magic start to go? Doesn't have to. And yet, even so, weeks after that, week, two weeks after that, I would be sitting on my own in the house thinking, come on, Matt, come back. It'll be all right. We'll make it all right. We'll make up some kind of story if you can just come back. I mean, that you, you didn't really die. It'll be all right. We'll fix it somehow because mothers are always accustomed to fixing things for their children. And even when they're quite old, you know, you think you can put things right. And I thought somehow that I should still be able to, if he could just manifest himself somehow and come back. You want so much for them. You bring them up, you teach them. Make sure they know you're there for them. Always. And you pray that's enough. And you let them go and you hope they come back. I sort of became her mother somehow in all of this. And I can remember going down one day and she was looking quite a poorly girl then. And she was moaning about her bed jacket. I sort of thought, well, I'm gonna buy a bloody bed jacket. So I waited for her to fall asleep went into the town, got this lace bed jacket and brought it back um, and put it on her. And um, I can remember one of my aunts coming in saying, oh, you wasted your money, dear. You know, it's not be around very long. And I think I felt, well, a lot of her stuff had been saved for those special events. It didn't matter anymore. She was going to have whatever she wanted to have as far as I was concerned. Because you can't protect them from everything. You cannot accept that this person who was such a strong and vivid physical presence and you just feel that the presence is still hanging in the air somewhere around you hear the timbre of the voice and you can see the gestures and the mannerisms so vividly and it does leave you it does leave you after a while there finished very nice this is the front door what's What's that? It's a spiral staircase leading up to this turret. On the outside? It hasn't got a moat. That's a bit dangerous. Visitors are always welcome. You can't have a castle without a moat. My wife will love it. And the kids. It needs a flag. It's just right for us. Looks bare without a flag. I'll put some shells round it. Are there any shells? I'll find some. After Steve died, one of the things the kids and I used to do was potter along to the beach and just collect shells. And after we'd done this a couple of times, I thought, wouldn't it be nice to actually, over the next few years, to just collect shells to sort of almost like remind us where we've been, if you know what I mean. And uh, so what we actually did was we, we found some really lovely clear glass jars and we just, everywhere we used to go, to every beach we went, we collect a few little shells. And we gradually fill each jar. We'd have a year of shells. Three years is up, and we have three years of shells that we've collected. They were little time capsules to remind us that we did survive and that we were alive. And there's these little sort of... It's like a little muted rainbow in, a, in three glass jars. Look, there are hundreds. Once you start looking, hundreds. Thousands of shells, all empty. Yeah, I feel bad that I can't really remember him. Physically. I can't remember what it's like to touch him. I can't remember what it's like to smell him anymore or to feel, you know, 
that's the hardest thing. You lose that physical remembrance so quickly. And you feel, you feel cheap for that reason, actually, because you'd like to remember. It's not that I mind being barefoot, but how am I going to get anywhere without them? This is where I want to be. I didn't bring a jacket. I didn't bring anything. Well, it's not cold. I knew I wouldn't need it. People stare at you if you don't wear shoes. Especially in February. March. It's March. Oh. I still love Matt. But what does that mean and where does it go? I suppose the love is for the memory of Matt. And I think that is sort of the mother's role, particularly when your children are getting older. There's a lot of kind of this impotent loving that goes on. And it's that little bit hands-off and a bit distant. But I've always felt that he certainly knew that he continued to be loved, but he just couldn't really respond to that. I didn't want to live in a world where no one cares. I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't live in a world where everyone's out for the main chance. You know? Filling their pockets with nothing that matters and hoping that someone else will carry the weight of the world. Well, I know plenty of people who care. About themselves. And I know I'm loved. Well, I knew I was loved. But well, there was so much more of everything else. You have to live well in the face of it, in the knowledge that there is love. And what if you can't? What if you feel it? Every minute of every day like a weight. It's a wall that cuts you off glass wall and there is nothing you can do to get through it. You make sure you know where your friends are. And if you have one friend, then you belong. I waited for the very end and the grave digger came in to put the earth over his coffin and I just said, please do a good job, he was my best friend in the world. Cover him up well, keep him warm. <laughs> he shook my hand, said I'll do a great job for you. <laughs> <laughs> look for the light. And if you look for the light, you'll find one candle glowing. It was just amazing to come back to the church as well and see the candles still glowing and the warmth of that on a cold day. And there are some things you can do. Like what? Well, the little things. Pots of jam, still warm. Labelling, covering them, making them ready. It was October when I walked down here from my flat. There were rose hips in the hedgerows and branches hanging with blackberries, ripe and fat as baby's fists. Things still green, but turning. I can remember thinking, I've got, you know, I ought to order a wreath, but then I didn't want to order a wreath. And I thought, well, what's that about? And then I realised I actually wanted to make the wreath. And I can remember going out in the hedgerows and I actually collected, because it was October, all the greenery of the countryside, I collected a load of it and uh, I made her wreath. We'd better think about heading off. You all right? I'm all right, yes. 
tide's coming in. I just need to cast off. This is my boat. It's not very big. It floats. It used to sit on our mantelpiece. Will we fit into it? I think so. It's green. It's sound. It's beautiful. We'd better go. Here. Here's the sail. My wife gave it to me. Until death is to part. And I hated that part of the marriage vows after Steve died. I hated the fact that death parted us. I actually wanted them to change that bit and say, no, death doesn't part you. But it actually does part you. It does. It ends. It ends your physical relationship. I'll rig it up. I'm not going without my shoes. Well, you just had enough oil, you know. There isn't much of a mast. We should hurry. The tide's coming in fast now. Oh, my feet are getting wet. Can you see what you're doing? Just about. Now, what should we take with us? What do we need? Matt had had a plant in his bed sitter. I don't know how long he'd had it. But like many young men, he sort of bought it and totally neglected this thing. It was a, something called an amarantha, or a prayer plant, and it's got little leaves that come together almost in a prayerful manner at night. And this plant was very sickly on its last legs, and I'd said to him, come on, I'm going to cut this back and repot it. And when he had died, it seemed to me I had to concentrate all my efforts on bringing this plant through. The plant had to live. And it began to, almost, in medical terms, turn the corner. And it started putting on a leaf every month. And it put on one leaf a month for seven months. And I thought, this is very significant. I'm sure this is telling me something. And then, about the eighth month, where it started sprouting leaves all over the place. It was just behaving like a normal healthy plant, foliage everywhere. To this day, it's sitting in a corner of the room. And I think now I'm probably beginning to uh, neglect it from time to time. It doesn't have the symbolic edge that it had at first when it really, it seemed it was, it was the one thing I could do for Matt <laughs> was keep his plant going. And now I can just imagine him smiling rather sardonically and saying, oh, for God's sake, Ma. <laughs> we don't need anything. Well, I brought a hamper. Over here, it's not very heavy. Uh, there's, uh, there's pork hawking sandwiches and apples and pears. I'm not sure we need to take there's it. There's Victoria sponge filled with blackberry and apple. I made it myself. It'll take up some room. Oh, I can sit on it. Come on, then. Let's give it a try. I don't mind squeezing up. It's too heavy. Oh, no. But look at the boat. Well, it, it can't be. What are you doing? I'm taking it out. Oh, no. It's going to sink the boat. Well, if it won't carry my hamper, how will it carry us? Watch me. Careful. Oh, oh, it, it, it's rocking. It's fine. Look, 
See? Oh. You'll have to leave the hamper behind. Come on. No. Give me your hand. Oh, I don't know. I collected all those blackberries, picked them over and boiled them and sieved them through muslin, full of goodness. And now those bushes are being blossom. It's the little things. The little things I'd like to see again. When I carry Mum with me, if there's something going on in my life, if I'm getting frightened, you know, I will say, oh, Mum, come in and try and help me with this. If there's something beautiful and I wanted to see it, you know, I'll say, what do you think of that then? Look at that. One of my clients does embroidery, and she actually brought some in to show me. And as, as I was holding it, I couldn't say it out loud because my client was in front of me. But in my head, I said, what do you reckon to that then, Mum? I don't mind leaving my knitting needles. I used all my wool. I didn't bring anything. I didn't have anything to take. I did feel, certainly, that I understood his despair more. I mean, in the early months when I felt so awful, so ill, I thought, well, if what you were going through is anything like what I'm going through now, I can understand why you did it. Let me help you get in. I don't know. Come here. Well, I don't know if I want to. I can remember holding her hand just saying, you know, it's okay. You know, it really is okay. You can just let go. I'll hold you. Oh, it's not very steady. Put your arms around my neck. Yes. I've got you. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. I'm in. I'm in. I mean, if she opened her eyes for any length of time, it was minutes, and I knew that's all I was going to get. But she opened her eyes at one point, she held up the sheet, just an ordinary white hospital sheet, and she goes, look, Titch, look at the embroidery on that. Isn't that wonderful? And I just said, yes, it is. There's no doubt about it. That sheet was the best embroidered piece you have ever seen. It's not as cramped as you'd think. Do you want to sit down? I want to go, now. The tide's about to turn. Yes, it'll take us with it. Where's the barefoot man? Over there. We can't go without him. Oi! We're going! Hurry up! You'll be caught by the tide. We've got to go! The water's up to your knees! Come on! Not yet! I walked through the door and there was Steve in the coffin and it was just like something from... It was just something completely different to what I could ever anticipate. It was like the Grand Canyon. Suddenly death was so separating. I almost felt this sense of, while I was there, his spirit leaving him and, and going and saying... I leave... All these things with I you. I leave all these shared. things with you that we share. You stand alone. You stand now. alone now. I've loved you. I leave you. I've loved you. I leave you. Take all the good things that we had and go we ahead. We take all the good things that we had that we shared and go ahead with them. I can't be there for you anymore. I can't be there I'm for in you another anymore. Place. I'm in another place. You know, I've left. Come on! I could feel him loving me and letting go and saying... I love you. I loved you. And that will never leave you. That will never leave you. You go on. You go and on your life. and live your life. I'll be there. And, and I'll be there, but I can't be there physically. Hurry! The wind's getting up! The water's up to your I think he left and his spirit had gone. And it was just a shell. 
that was lying there. And I, I ruffled his hair and I tried to get his hands to, to make the gestures that he would have made, but it was all too late. He had his Faith is Faith art, his art T-shirt, and then he had this lovely suit on him. No shoes. I couldn't bear to put shoes on because I always felt they'd be too heavy on him. And um, I put magic tricks in his pocket and various letters from the kids and from me and poems and things that we'd shared. Give me your hand. This side. Get in this side. Hold on. Are you ready? He's pulling the boat over. Gently does it. We're going to catch something. It's all right. I mean, we're sinking. You have to get out. I'm too heavy. You can't be. No, we're sinking. Get out a minute. I can't go. Don't panic. And you can't stay here. I'll have to. Where will you go? It's only a little boat. It's plenty big enough. We can't leave him. What's in your pockets? Nothing. There's water in the boat now. What about your magic tricks? I left them on the beach. Check your pockets. Look, we've got to get this water out. I'll have to scoop it with my hands. There's just a piece of paper. A prayer. You have to leave it behind. A Celtic prayer. Well, I left my hamper. It doesn't weigh anything. It does. Let it go. The wind's taken it. We've got to go if we're going. We're all dried out inside. Do you want to get in? Yes. One, two, three. Oh. Sit by me. The wind's catching the sail. Yeah, stocking stitch. Smooth and strong. We're going. It's perfect. With the dead. They're fixed in time, and Matthew, in a sense, has now got this very clear, defined outline and image for me. And so there's a way in which I've always got him, and he's always looking the way he did when he died. And I suppose with a little luck, we'll all get older and older and older, and get more shriveled and wrinkly. And Matt will be a very good-looking man the 30 that he was when he died. Where will it take us? There are no oars. It never had oars. No rudder. I just wanted her to fall asleep. I, I just wanted her pain to stop. Because Mum had stopped looking like Mum months before. We could find a way in this blackness. There are no stars. And we have no light. I've never known such, such blackness. I can't see my, my face. face. How many are we? Are we moving? Moving between heaven and earth. Day and night. Which is the sky and which is the sea? I think the hardest thing for me is the continualness of it, really. It's never, ever... It doesn't go away, you know. And yet, there's a beauty around that, too. There's a softness and a beauty, and almost not wanting it to be too far away, somehow. When my granddaughter was born, the babe was put in my arms. And I actually spoke straight to the baby about everything in the world I was going to show her and how I was going to be with her. 
and you know I was crying and the babe's just lying there and looked up and they wanted a dry eye in the house but again you see I would say that was a gift from my mother that you know in losing her she taught me how to do that she taught me how to not leave it till it's too late you only get that one chance and if you don't say it at that time that chance may never come again so you have to say it in some senses, I suppose I can love almost more unconditionally now because I know all loves come to an end. They have to, because none of us live forever. I suppose I'm saying that to love and to feel the pain is better than not to love and feel the pain. I would never look for Steve again in somebody else, but I would love again, despite the pain. it's beautiful. And I suppose that in time I have been able, little by little, to relinquish him. He is relinquished to death, whatever death is. Mum taught me a lot, and she also taught me how to die. You know, that woman did it with the greatest of dignity. That's the gift she gave me, you know. And, you know, if people say, well, you know, how do you want to die? You know, meaning really more about, you know, do you want to go from heart to You know, I want to die well. I want to die like my mum died. So, you know, mum is my Christianity, my spirituality. Mum is everything. So she's right in there with it. So I can't forget her, because she's, she's me. And the Celtic prayer was, my boat is so little and the ocean is so big. And it kind of summed up how I really felt that our little stories are so, so little and the ocean is so big at times. Interlands by Sarah Woods. Steve was played by Brian Hibbard. Matt by Paul Panting. And Pat's mum by June Barry. Original music was composed and played by Dominique Legendre. And the singers were Simone Sofenor and David Morris. Hinterlands is dedicated to Steve Fairney, Matt Watson and Peggy Fryer. It was directed in Bristol by Claire Grove and produced by Sarah Conkey.